Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Welcome back to Keep Going, the podcast about success and failure. Uh, today on the show, we have Eleanor Yanega, Dr. Eleanor Yanega, I'm sorry, a medieval historian <laughs> and writer. Your latest book is The Once and Future Sex. That's available for pre-order. It's coming out on 17th of January, and I'm pretty excited about this thing. Welcome, Eleanor. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to, to talk about failure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, that's it's so it, when I first started this thing, nobody wanted to talk about it because they were all afraid if they talked about failure, uh, then they would just, it's like, it's like, it's like standing in front of the mirror and like calling on Bloody Mary or whatever, and she's mm -hmm. going to come and get you. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think we've, I think we've moved past that in the past literally two months, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one, right? Because I think that, you know, in terms of what I, I was going to talk about today and, and the way that, you know, I relate to failure and how I saw it is that I can even remember like when I was really struggling uh, with, with what, you know, I, I consider to have been my failure. When I would say, you know, I feel like a failure or I'm a failure, uh, people would say, no, 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 you can't say mm -hmm. that. Like you can never say that. That's that's not what happened as though, you know, the worst possible thing that can happen to someone is that they, they failed. Right. Um, and I don't or even that identified self-identified as a failure. Right. Or yeah, identified that, yeah. that that thing was a bad thing. And, and granted. OK. So, you know, like to, to talk about, I guess, uh, like backing up, you know, the, the what I want to talk about in terms of failure is, you know, um, I like uh, most people with a Ph.D., um, you know, the thing that I really wanted and the thing that I was aiming for, you know, all of my adult life was that I, I wanted to be an academic. You know, I wanted to be, um, you know, someone with a tenured position at a university who was teaching medieval history. Right. That's the thing that I that I wanted. Um, and, you know, I, I did all the school and I got the Ph.D. And, you know, I made this really particularized life for myself. Right. Where, you know, here I was, you know, speaking seven languages and, you know, working long hours. And, you know, I did everything that people told me I was supposed to do and, you know, was told nothing, but that I was going to, that this was going to happen for me. You know, um, there's a thing now within academia because there's just no money and there's, there's no permanent jobs. And most people who are teaching within universities are, you know, adjuncts. So they, they apply for a new job every year and they don't, you know, make enough to make ends meet. And they're, they're teaching at, you know, four colleges or whatever and running all around the shop. But that's not what they tell you. Uh, you know, when, when people told me kind of like when I said, oh, yeah, I think I want to be an academic. Everyone was like, yeah, you absolutely should. You know, you're mm -hmm. great at this. Here's all these things that you, that you could be and should be doing. So, you know, I went for it. And then in the time that I was doing it, people started to say, oh, I don't know if you should do a PhD to, to other people. Never me, right? Never me. Uh, but, you know, younger people who are kind of getting into it, people go, oh, well, the job market's really bad, you know, um, in this sort of thing. But I was always being told, no, you're great at this. You should definitely um, keep going. And then I didn't get a job. <laughs> you know, and I, and I just and that's that's, you know, if you talk to the great the majority of people, that's true. You know, mm -hmm. you, you tend to, to see the people who are held in front of you. But the trouble is with academics and because it's such a particularized life and you know it's a quote-unquote good job right you know it's it's one of these things so even if you are an adjunct or whatever you know and you're you could be giving office hours in your car and, and moving in between all these different colleges in order to make minimum wage you know people go oh wow that's that's a that's a great job like wow what an interesting thing i'd, I'd love to do that 
And you you internalize this and you say, well, I am an academic. That is the thing that I am. And if you don't get one of these jobs, which are, you know, rare as hen's teeth, then what does that make you, right? Then who am I outside of this mm-hmm. thing? And um, it, it was, and to, to, to pause, was it a good job because of the, I don't know, the, the, the benefits and the, the potential for tenure, the, the mm. being able in one place for any length of time, or was it a good job just because it's, it was a great job for somebody who's academically minded, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is that I suppose that I think both <laughs> in a way. So it's like the thing, the, the idea is, you know, with a lot of these passion jobs, so like academia is one of those ones where everyone says, okay, well, we agree that there's like a net good to knowledge being out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we agree that um, knowledge being promoted is something that we as a society like, and, and we want to do that. And it's something that you don't get into it unless you're passionate about it. Like, you know, nobody, nobody's like, oh yeah, I, I really hope that, you know, because even if you get like one of the quote unquote good jobs, it's not like you're going to be making as much money as, you know, someone who's a hedge fund manager or something like that, right? But everyone agrees that being a hedge fund manager kind of sucks, but you get a lot of money, right? What, mm-hmm. what, what, what people agree uh, with about academia is they go, oh, well, there's a thing you love and you're doing it all the time, right? And Mm -hmm. so, but that's how they get you, right? They get you with this, oh, but don't you love it? Aren't you lucky? Like, just take another short-term contract. Just take another one of these things and keep going and keep going and just seeing how long you can kind of get through here. And you really do feel, especially if you're academically minded, right? Well, okay, well, I've personally failed if this thing isn't happening for me because you're told there's this clear path, right? Right. It's, this is the kind of thing about academics, right? Is that you always know what the next step is. You know, first you're in, you know, elementary school, then middle school, then high school, then college, then you do your master's, then you do your PhD, and then you get a job, right? That's, that's the way that it's kind of sold to you. And if you're the sort of person who's always getting the gold star, which is why you keep going and doing more homework, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're doing progressively more difficult homework, when the job doesn't come, then it's genuinely confusing because you're like, how have I failed at this? I did everything that everyone told me that I was supposed to do. Um, and if fundamentally, the great majority of us are going to fail within this way. Um, and, you know, this is maybe a good thing if you can, if you can kind of uh, change your mind about what that means. Because, you know, I, and I was disconsolate for years, you know, um, really, really depressed about it. I'm really unhappy, you know, trying very hard. And, you know, it, it just it just never happened. And, you know, academia is it's a, it's a clown car and, you know, people get jobs and nobody really knows why. And some people are lucky and they get that that good job that's got benefits and, you know, security and you get to, to write what it is you want. But eventually what I kind of worked out was, you know, when I, I was down here at the bottom of this pit being like, God, I've, I've spent all of this time, you know, I've got no money right? Because it's not like it pays to be in grad school. Um, and I've, I've, you know, spent my youth essentially chasing this thing that, that hasn't panned out for me, you know, and I kind of said to myself, well, what is it that uh, I, I want to do? And one of the answers, well, I did want to do history, but I think that the way that I was kind of thinking about things is I, I was very much thinking of jobs in terms of this kind of like Richard, scary, busy town kind of way mm-hmm. about 
other jobs. And there's there's a policeman, and there's a the grocery store owner, and there's a butcher, and there's lowly worm in his apple car, and like that's what's that's what's happening, right? And college professor is one of those jobs that you're told it exists, and you definitely and you see it, right? When you go to college, you're taught by these people every day, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a job. that's identifiable. And what I really wanted to do was just kind of do history, but I didn't think that was available in any other form other than being a professor, right? Because, you know, that that is what the the path is, that is what the career is. And so if I couldn't be a professor, then I couldn't do history. But it turns out that's not true. <laughs> so, so this is so this is an interesting point. So you 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 got your education in the past, let's say the past decade, right? So it's not mm-hmm. it wasn't it's and before we go into that, do you think that that the education that you received or the 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 ideas that you received came from people who did have it that way? People mm. who were like the guy and the guy in Monty Python's Holy Grail who like introduces like the thing and then gets murdered by the, the Green Knight or whatever, like this kind of buttoned up guy in tweeds with with elbow patches who's going to tell yeah. you the truth about about I don't know Plymouth, right? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Because the thing is, there's this certain amount of like survivor's bias, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the people who are, are teaching you or the people that you're working with, well, they made it, it happened for them. Right? So they, they always kind of tell you, um, oh, well, you know, that th- this is some fluke or, you know, if, if they believe in you, right, you know, that they just kind of assume that it'll happen for you because it happened for them. And, you know, it's wild out here. Like you'll be getting taught by people in your PhD who don't have a PhD, but they have had mm-hmm. a tenure job, you know, for years and years and years. So and now it's just incredibly competitive and there's lots of people who who can do this. And so that hasn't really changed but the barriers of entry have changed and you need all these really hardcore connections and you know luck you need a lot of luck mm-hmm. along with that so but these people don't know how to give you advice other than yeah well this is how you become a historian because that is sort of the only way right you know as far as they're concerned because there they are uh you know they're standing on top of the mountain and they're telling you the way that they came up right and you know maybe they haven't turned around and seen that there's another way of 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 doing this um so or you that just the, tend- or that the way is closed yeah exactly and, and that you're going to need to find another way to get up there if that's mm-hmm. what you want to do um and so yeah you know i i failed at my initial objection you know and which which was you know, be this this person with tenure and uh, and I don't know, um, swan around at, at a university and and teach and and do these things that I always wanted to do. But actually, what that made me do was recalibrate what my expectations were about uh, what I wanted to do. And you know, fundamentally, now you know, I kind of say, well, sure, that's one way to be a historian. But fundamentally, uh, to be a historian, you're someone who writes history. Right. And, that, and that's what I do. And now I'm, you know, I'm kind of freelance and, uh, you know, I've got my my new book that's coming out next month. I make TV shows. I do podcasts. And fundamentally, actually, if I could go back in time and tell little me, hey, this is a job that you mm-hmm. can do. Um, I would have wanted this job, but it, it kind of feels like saying, oh, um, well, if you can't be a band teacher, you could be a rock star. You know, well, that's like that, that, and I and I, I think that's the interesting point because what what you're talking about wasn't available to it was only yeah. available to like uh, I don't know who the in terms of public intellectuals you had like a Carl Sagan and you had mm. uh, you had the one dude who did connections um, yeah British and it, guy. It, it, 
and it's often it's often a scientist. It's like there's a lot of room in like the yeah, public side. Gene Goodall. There was like one person, one person mm-hmm. out of thousands that that were forward facing, and you were a forward facing historian in a way that's that I don't I can't recall anybody else's. Yeah, it, it, it it's kind of new, right? This idea that oh, actually, maybe history is something that everybody is kind of excited and sure, you know, yeah, you got history programs on the BBC or something like that. But you know, mm-hmm. interestingly, a lot of the the people who are presenting that, you know, aren't, weren't even necessarily people who are trained historians. A lot of the time, they're kind of like entertainers, and it's it's treated as this sort of thing that you don't necessarily need a history degree for or something like that. And then you just kind of do a one off. You know, you got you we're out here, and you know, ball jerk off of Black Adder gets to present history programs mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's he's an actor right but one of the things that's kind of opening up now like with you know say what you will about social media and you know i've got i've got a lot of complaints like everybody else but there is a certain amount of democratization there in terms of well if you're somebody who's telling people things that they're interested of and if you can engage with them uh you know on your own terms people will begin to listen to you Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, a lot of my opportunities actually came off of uh, my blog. And I, I had a little blog, which interestingly, I started this blog uh, while I was in my PhD. And it was anonymous at first because I was like, if anybody finds out I'm having fun writing history, I will not be taken <laughs> seriously. Right. And it's and there's this real there's this real thing within academia where it's like, no, 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 we're all very serious. No one ever had a fun time. And that's not what this is about. And so I was hiding literally you know what my identity was in order to do this and then in my period where i'd failed i was like yeah well you know screw it may as well put my name on it right um you can't hurt me now because i'm not going to get a job anyway so i'm I'm just going to do it and that was the thing that made the difference for me you know that's how i got my um agent that's how you know i was i've been given book offers um and it's it's come through that route of actually just being publicly really into history and passionate about it and having a nice time because that's what brings people in how did you know you failed what was what was the indicator (sighs) okay so in the first place, it was just very, very difficult for me to even get, um, you know, uh, job interviews in the first place. And uh, that's maybe not surprising because I uh, chose, you know, I do more specifically, I'm a specialist in uh, Bohemia, so Prague. And I I was of the opinion that, oh, well, people want to do uh we don't know about this. English speakers don't look into Czech history, even though it's in this incredibly important place in the medieval world. So surely people want to know more about that. No, <laughs> it, 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 turns, it turns out academics don't want you to tell them about a thing that they don't know about because it makes them feel bad. Right. And um, so for me, my very last kind of Hail Mary, I'd, I'd applied for a lot of jobs. I'd had a couple of interviews. I wasn't successful at them. And, you know, oftentimes passed over, you know, jobs that were supposed to be about Czech history and they would hire some guy they knew who didn't speak Czech and had never done Czech history. Like that's mm-hmm. what we're talking, Which makes you feel really bad, you know, where you're like, I am such a failure because this guy who doesn't even speak Czech got a job that required a Czech speaker. Okay. Um, but my last kind of, my last chance holy grail job that I applied for was there was a position in the Czech Republic and it was, you know, all in my wheelhouse. It was sort of like they wanted someone who had uh, who had experience with databases, which I'd kind of done um, in between my master's and PhD. I'd ha- I had like a, a normal job where I was doing a lot of database work and it was about tracking heretics. And OK, I did my PhD on on heretics and I was like, OK. And it was at this Czech university and, and, you know, everything kind of lined up and I was like, you know what, whatever, like, we'll just see if this works out and, you know, it'll be complicated to move to Brno, but I'll do it, you know? And so I applied for it and, um, 
I got a handwritten like email, like not a form email back, which, you know, from the very nice Czech people at this job and reading between the lines, they were kind of like, girl, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> they were just like, no, 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 no. This isn't like, you know, this isn't for like a diaspora Czech who lives in London. This isn't this isn't the job for you. Like this is a job aimed at Czech people. And like, how has it come to this? And I was like, all right, well, I can't even get a job in Czech history with Czech people. Right. Like even Czechs are telling me, no, we're not going to give you a job. So like that is it. Right. Like, and there's, there's no real way to turn this boat around at this point in time, because that's what I've been doing the whole time. And that's what academics told me they wanted. And that's what academics Mm -hmm. said, like, you know, that the world needed, and it's not going to happen. And so I was like, if I can't even get a job with the people who care about Czech history, I can't get a job. Right. And like, that's, that's it. We're done. Um, Mm -hmm. And so interestingly, though, by that point, um, I kind of mostly experienced that as freeing. Uh, because it was like, it was very much my rock bottom there, right? Because I was like, okay, well, that's it. You know, like that, that's, that was kind of what I needed. I needed that final nail in the coffin that this avenue wasn't open for me. Right. Um, that's interesting that that they, well, it's interesting that they responded in person and they kind of understood. Yeah. They, 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 it was really clear that they kind of knew that it was weird that I was applying for this job because, you know, it it was a lot of money for the Czech Republic, but, you know, coming from an English perspective, it's not a lot of money, you know, like, so comparatively, it's sort of like what's gone wrong in your life that you're applying for this, like, uh, (laughs) you know, and, and also, you know, rightly or wrongly, but, you know, there's a real xenophobia in Europe about kind of like Slavic people. And so, you know, the, the idea that one would be kind of like moving back. Uh, they, there's like a lower status given to people who work out of, uh, you know, universities in the Czech Republic than there is who work out of oh, man. Uh, universities in the UK. And, and it's messed up and it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Yeah, that's nuts. All right. Well, so, yeah. so it sounds, it's like, I think in many cases, like a lot of these, a lot of these stories are basically just dodging a bullet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, this is the thing because actually when I've come out the other side of it, one of the things that academia does, and like one of the reasons I really felt like a failure here is because um, their academics are really good at telling you when you've messed up, but they don't really, uh, you know, you get a lot of carrot at the beginning, you know, it's all like gold star, gold star, A plus, you know, um, and then when you get to kind of the point where your peers with them, all they ever do is criticize you because that's kind of like what what the thing is so you know you get peer-reviewed and like and people will just tear into you because there's this real sense of scarcity and everyone wants the job and so they've got to say that everyone else is bad all the time and yeah i do kind of feel like i dodged a bullet because you know what actually now that i'm out of that one of the things that i i really genuinely feel about my work is i feel that it's good right like i'm 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 good at this you know and i i still do write academic work um every once in a while which uh you know i do out of the goodness of my own heart and because it's free and this is something that i can do and you know i work with peers in my other languages you know uh sometimes i write in spanish sometimes i write in czech you know i i move around a lot and it's still something that i can do as an academic exercise you know for the fun of it if i wish to but actually i much prefer communicating for a larger audience because when you're mm-hmm. fighting an academic in academia you know you're talking to the same seven people 
over and over and over again. And now I'm at a point where I get to, you know, talk with thousands of people about medieval history and thousands of people about these things that I think um, really matter or are really interesting or have a, a real possibility of changing the world. But we don't change the world when we just keep talking to five people. You have to get that that bigger audience going. Um which is luckily what I get to do now. And it's because, you know, those doors closed. So I pushed on the ones that opened. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it just, just, a just anecdotally, I mean, I read, I read loads of nonfiction and I prefer, I prefer immensely books like yours versus, versus, I don't know, a, a more historical or more academic oriented piece i mean mm-hmm. i almost avoid like if it comes out of like the harvard press or whatever it's just like no yeah. i don't think i want that uh i think i want somebody who actually can write um which, <laughs> yeah and, so. well that's good that, see this is one of the things too and it's, it's quite interesting because you see some academics really get their back up about public facing work mm-hmm. and you know they're like oh, oh well people people could just read academic books and i'm like well they don't want to <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry about it. It's, it's, it's not. Um, and, and actually, it is a skill to be fun and to be engaging and to tell ordinary people why something is important. That is an actual skill. And it's not just about the synthesis that happens within an academic context. It's being able to make that interesting or, or fun or bring people along with you. And um, it's not necessarily one that's, that's valued at all within the university context. It's, it's something that happens out in the, the broader world. It's outside of the ivory tower. And, you know, it's okay if, if that's, you know, maybe where my talent lies more particularly than just, you know, plain old academic stuff. And, uh, you know, at this point in time, uh, you know, you, you can't make me sad about it. If that's what you think mm-hmm. about my work, because I've already, yeah, I get it. You don't want me. Okay. Bye. You know? Mm. All right. Well, so that's um, that's actually it's very heartening. It's a uh, this was a it was a good redemption story, I think. And <laughs> and you've got like a, and you've got is. a new book. Yeah, you've got a new book and coming I, out, and it's and it's and yeah. it's going to be read by human beings as opposed to uh, as opposed to yeah. dorks, I guess you could say. Yeah, you exactly. And you know, and even if the dorks get mad at it, okay, I didn't write it for you. Whatever. <laughs> Dr. Eleanor Yanega, uh, author of The Once and Future Sex, coming out in January. You can pre-order it now. Where can, where can they go? I guess they can go to your link tree on, on your Twitter. Yeah, you can go to my link tree, which is on my Twitter, um, you know, wherever good books are sold, uh, essentially. At, so, at uh, Going Medieval is the, uh, is the Twitter, his Twitter right, handle. Yeah. And, you, and you need to follow it because there's every once in a while, there's like a big giant tweet storm or like a blog post that's just amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much. I appreciate you saying that. So there we have it. This has been Keep Going. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Keep Going. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going.